Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pilgrim Devotion. My name is Michael Howard, and I am your host, the senior pastor of Seaford Baptist Church. And this is a podcast for anyone inside or outside of Seaford Baptist Church who's living the pilgrim life, representing the kingdom of God in the kingdom of man. And I'm so glad that you are back with us for another episode. I'm so excited, actually, for this week. Before we get to it, I do want to apologize for our audio for last week. I know that uh, as we talked about children being in worship and as we were talking about some of the changes coming to our Kids Praise program here at Seaford Baptist, that the audio wasn't always uh, great, particularly when Pastor Ben and Kimberly, our children's director, Kimberly Milner, when they were talking. So we have a mic we use. Like I'm very confident for the audio for this podcast because this mic is really great when you're on your own, still learning how to use it in a group situation. So thank you for your patience last week. I still hope it was hope that it was helpful. Uh, if you are a member of Seaford Baptist and you are wanting more information on the Kids Praise Change, you have questions uh, about the, how we are going to keep the kids with us uh, in worship every Sunday until the sermon. Uh, and that is going to start at the end of August, the last Sunday of August with a soft launch, but start for good in September. If you have questions about that, please just get back in touch at connect at seafordbaptist.com, and I myself would be happy to talk to you. So, uh, yeah, thank you for your patience. I'm glad you came back this week. Anyhow, and we are talking about Jehovah's Witnesses this week. Uh, I don't know if you have any experience with the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know if you've ever talked to one or you've been, uh, you know, had had one of them try to uh, proselytize you, (laughs) try to convert you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been handed their materials. Maybe you have a Jehovah's Witness in your family or you work with one. Uh, But I wanted to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses because they have been on my heart a lot lately. Uh, The reason being, about two months ago, on a Saturday morning, uh, I had a couple of men in suits come to my uh, my home. And uh, that was surprising because I live in the parsonage of Seaford Baptist Church, which is very close to Seaford Baptist Church itself, and it's not hard to figure out it's the pastor's house. I'll just put it that way. Particularly, like if you've been around Seaford, if you've been around the area and you've driven through, you kind of know the house that belongs to the church, okay? So uh, these two men came to the house and admitted afterward they absolutely knew that the Baptist pastor uh, lived there, and they they came for me. Uh, They came for me. They came for my head, I suppose. They came to... Uh, try to convince me that Jesus is not God, <laughs> and that uh, and that the Bible translation they have in their hands is the true Bible, and that um, that I was wrong, that I was doctrinally in error, and I needed to stop teaching that doctrinal error to people and start showing them uh, the the best way to live. Uh, probably the easiest way I could put it. So, anyways, uh, these two men that came to my home. Uh, I want to say this about them. They, they, they've come twice, not once, but twice. Uh, one of them came twice. He had somebody different with him each time. Uh, he was an older gentleman, seemed to be maybe a leader. Maybe he is actually called an older gentleman or an older man there, which I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, 
very nice. Both of the men he brought with him are very nice. I found them to be incredibly uh, kind and thoughtful people. Pardon me, I stopped for a, uh, a drink of water there. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the time that I spent with them. Uh, we had good conversation, and it takes a lot of boldness to go straight to the pastor's house and knock on the door. Uh, it's a wrong boldness, right? It's, it's a boldness for folly, but it's a boldness nonetheless. Uh, and I, I said to these men, I said, most of the people that believe what I believe would never do what you were doing this morning go around and knock on people's doors. They would find some way to, 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 to say why we shouldn't do that or couldn't do that or can't do that or won't do that. Or, but, but the bottom line is you're not going to find them really doing it. I said, so if you really believe what you believe uh, and, and you're going around knocking on these doors because you believe this is the best way to spread what, what you understand to be the good news, I at least respect the fact that you are putting your, your time where your mouth is. And... Um, so yeah, talking to them, certainly it, it sparked in me, uh, a necessity to go back and sharpen my understanding of, uh, this cult. And I do believe it is a cult. So to sharpen my understanding of this cult, uh, and, and to sharpen my understanding also of, you know, just basic Trinitarian doctrine and make sure I was ready to talk to these, uh, fellas if they show up again, uh, so they've only come twice. I'm praying for them to come a third time. If they hear this, I mean, if this somehow falls into their hands, they know who they are, and I would love them to come back, and I would love to talk. I would love to talk to them about some of the things that I'm going to bring up in this very podcast. So uh, before I get into how to talk to a Jehovah's Witness, because that's really where I want to go, I'm going to give you like three or four basic things just to bring up. You don't need to go into a conversation memorizing, here are the 10 things I need to say to a Jehovah's Witness. You can literally save about four screenshots on your phone and just a couple of questions, and you can have a very good conversation with a Jehovah's Witness. And I want to talk about how to do that. But briefly, let's just talk about what they believe, because maybe you don't know, and maybe you've always wondered. Um, the, the name Jehovah's Witness is intended to designate them as a group of Christians. Um, that they're, they're a group of Christians, a sect of Christianity that is proclaiming the truth about Jehovah and will even try to convince you, hey, we're not all that different. You know, we pretty much believe the same thing. They, they will say that to you. Uh, they make up less than 1% of American adults. So this is a very small part of the population, but they are a very diverse uh, organization, a very diverse group. 36% white, 32% Hispanic, 27% black, 6% uh, another race or uh, biracial or multiracial. So uh, it's pretty incredible uh, because there's really not a lot of other religious groups that can claim that. 65% are women, 35% are, are men, so pretty much a, a, a two-thirds uh, are, are women. And they consider themselves very much to be Christians, not Protestants, okay? And they will make that clear with you, but they consider themselves to be Christians. And, and Mormons, by the way, they try to pull the same trick on you. Uh, but the Jehovah's Witnesses are not Christians because they, they reject the triune God as revealed in the Christian scriptures, clearly. And they reject Christian orthodoxy and they reject the doctrine of the Trinity. They say that Jesus uh, is not divine. 
They say that the Holy Spirit is an active force and not a person of the Trinity, of the Godhead. Uh, And they say that the only direct creation of God is Jesus himself, the quote-unquote firstborn of all creation. And he is not a part of a trinity. They believe he lived in heaven before he came to earth. And uh, after his death and his resurrection, he returned to heaven. And he did give his human life as this like ransoming sacrifice. And through his death and resurrection, he makes it possible for those who exercise faith in him to gain eternal life or, or everlasting life. Now, they believe the kingdom of God is a real government in heaven that is soon going to replace human governments and accomplish God's purpose on earth. And Jesus is the king of this government in heaven, and he started ruling there in 1914, okay? Um, A relatively small number of people, only 144,000, are going to be resurrected to live with Jehovah in heaven and rule with Jesus in that kingdom. Only 144,000. So they're very literal about what they're seeing there uh, in Revelation. And they believe that God will bring back billions uh, from death by means of resurrection who will live on the new earth. Anyone who refuses to learn God's ways uh, after being raised to life will pass out of existence forever. Now, these men who came to my home ensured me that I will not be annihilated, that my Protestantism, (laughs) that uh, my work as a pastor, that what I have done in my life uh, as a Christian man, that it's going to keep me from being annihilated. Um, And I tried to explain to them that that is a gospel, that is no gospel at all, of works righteousness. It's a false gospel. And uh, again, we'll get to that at the end. They're gonna, they, they come to your door. Uh, they do door-to-door ministry. They believe this is how we fulfill the uh, Great Commission. Uh, they would have the same answer you and I would about why we would go door-to-door, to fulfill the Great Commission. And they would look to the book of Acts and say they went from house to house, and we need to go from house to house. And they deny that this is a way to earn salvation by doing good works. Um, They will not try to pressure people into changing their religion. Um, They will try to argue for their beliefs, but uh, at some point they'll say, okay, well, we agree to disagree, and thanks for being nice to us, and and they will leave. Uh, They will leave. But they will leave you with literature. <laughs> the uh, the Watchtower, uh, which is a magazine that has content focused on really like significant events in the world in light of biblical prophecies, and then this general magazine that's called uh, Awake. They believe that the Bible is God's message to humanity. But in 1961, they published their own uh, Bible, quote unquote, again, it's like saying they have a gospel. It's not a real Bible. Um, it's been tampered with by their corporation, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And it is called the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. It is the, the NWT. And as of 2015, it was translated into 129 languages. By the way, I want to mention, I am using an article that was written uh, by the Gospel Coalition back in 2015, and I found it to be very helpful. It's called 11 Things You Should Know About Jehovah's Witnesses. 
So uh, I encourage you, 11 Beliefs You Should Know About Jehovah's Witnesses. It's by Justin Taylor. So you can go and check that out if you want to find everything I'm saying in one place. Uh, you can just pull that up. That's where I am talking from and just kind of summarizing Taylor here. Uh, but yeah, so when they released this thing, it, uh, it, it's been... The New Testament was released in 1950. I think the whole thing was done, was was published in 61. Ever since it was released, it's been criticized by anybody who knows anything about Greek. For critic, It's been criticized for how they've gone and, and they've changed the meaning of words. Like even non-Christian people who have a good grip on the Greek would look at what Jehovah's Witnesses have done with the, uh, the, manus- the original Greek text and, and they would say, this is this is a butchering, right? Like you can't do this and claim to have any sort of real respected academic understanding of Koine Greek. Uh, for example, John one one. This is the the ESV and the NIV translate it this way: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, you probably have that verse memorized, or maybe you don't. Uh, but you've probably heard it quite a bit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The New World Translation changes that and says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And so they just added in an indefinite article, a, so that they could get around the obvious conclusion that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the word who was made flesh, and that Jesus is the one being talked about here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's Jesus. Okay? And so Bruce Metzger in 1953, which Bruce Metzger is a New Testament scholar that I I certainly had to read a lot, both in my undergrad and in my uh, seminary work at Liberty, he said, it must be stated quite frankly that if Jehovah's Witnesses take this translation seriously, they are polytheists, which that's true, right? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. They have just turned themselves into polytheists. And here's the thing about this translation. They don't know who, who, who translated their Bible. So if you meet, this is one of the questions that you should put in your phone, okay? So if you're taking notes... One of the questions that you should ask a Jehovah's Witness when you meet them is, do you know who translated uh, the the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures? And they'll say, yes, it was uh, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. You say, yeah, but who's in that? Because like you can go and you can find out who was involved in the work to to um, publish the English Standard Version of the Bible. Like those 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 people aren't in hiding. You know what I mean? So who did this? And and they cannot give you an answer. They don't know who, who it is. Now, they might say something like, well, they don't want to be known. They didn't want to be known because they wanted all the glory to go to God. And it's like, okay. Or maybe they don't want to be known because it's harder to criticize this faceless group of people. It's harder to say, hey, do you have like a degree? Do you have a background in the Greek? Do you understand the original languages? Do you understand Hebrew? Do you know who William Tyndale is? You know, do, do you have uh, an understanding of the 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 original manuscripts? I, I have a feeling that that's the case. <laughs> okay, and and this is why I refer to Jehovah's Witnesses as a cult, 
is because when you have people hiding in the shadows who are making major decisions like that, like the translations, the translation of your scriptures, and they're hiding in the shadows, that's cultish. When they're doing it from the dark, smoky room, it's cultish. And, uh, and so you can ask them that question. They're not going to have the answer. And I would not necessarily then look at them and say, well, you're a cult. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is just to say to them, don't you think that's odd? Like the Bible I'm holding in my hand, like you could go and find out who did this work. Don't you think that's odd that you don't know who did this translating work? So I, I just think I would simply ask them to point out that it's a bit odd. I got to get moving here. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't celebrate Christmas or Easter. They don't celebrate birthdays. Um, they accept medical treatment like at a doctor's office, uh, but they will not accept a blood transfusion because they believe the Bible commands that we do not ingest blood. They don't believe in going to war. They don't believe in getting involved in political matters. They do not believe in the cross as a symbol of Christianity because they believe that the Bible says Jesus died not on a cross but on a stake. They don't refer to their places of worship as churches. They refer to them as the kingdom hall. They do not have paid clergy. Um, men and women can be ministers, but spiritually mature men serve as older men or as elders. And that that there is what I was referring to earlier. This man has come to my home twice. I think he must be an older man at the local kingdom hall here in Yorktown. Uh, about 20 congregations, they'll come together to form a circuit, and there will be traveling elders who are like the circuit overseers. So it's almost like a, a presbytery. Um, there's no requirement to tithe, but they do have donations that, uh, that you, know, you can give if you want to give, but it's not required. And... Not a lot is known about how they finance their work, other than the fact that they hold a significant amount of property in New York City. So that's a Jehovah's Witnesses, man. Now, if they show up at your door, what do you do? What do you do? Do you get out a Greek interlinear Bible and argue with them from that? Well, that's actually not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Um, do you get out your English Bible your ESV, your NIV, your NASB, you know, your KJV, whatever it is your go-to, do you get that out and, and you point them to the places where their text diverges from your text, from our text, from the historical text, right? Do you, do you do that? Well, the problem with all those things is that they've heard it all before. And they're very well trained in responding to that stuff. And so when you say to them, well, look, man, uh, let me get my Bible here. I'm going to go to, to Romans chapter 9. And if you do that, if you go to Romans 9 and, and you say, well, look, I want to read you this scripture. So imagine you're a Jehovah's Witness. You're sitting there. And I say to you, what are you going to do with Romans 9.5? To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. They are going to just read their verse from Romans 9.5, which has been changed. And they're going to say, that the, it's not what it says. We, we've got the right one. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, You're, you're not going to shock them with anything from your Bible that's going to make them go, oh my goodness, because they've been convinced that your Bible isn't legitimate. So anything that you say from it, they're going to probably just, you know, 
brush it off as, ah, it's another one of those Protestant arguments. You know, another one of those Protestant arguments I've heard before. So what I want to do, and I got this from the Cultish podcast. I want to give them uh, credit for this. And then uh, I got this from my friend Nathan Cecil, who is the pastor at Foxhole Road Baptist Church. Cultish is a good podcast. Just be careful with the postmillennialism and the Christian nationalism there. All right. Uh, they're not Christian nationalists in the way that, like, weirdos are Christian nationalists. That's a different podcast. I can't go there today. Do not have the time. Um, they're, they're just good old post-millennialists over there at the Cultish Podcast at Apologia Studios. And they put some good stuff out, but they, they also believe that uh, in order to fill, fulfill the Great Commission that um, there should be a church directing the state. And I just totally disagree with them on that. So uh, I can't get down with all their teachings, but I find the Cultish Podcast to be really, really good. And, and most of the time they're not talking about anything regarding eschatology um, and they're just talking about cults and how to share the gospel with them and witness to them. And I do believe they are faithful brothers. Uh, just have your antenna up about some of that post-millennialism. So as uh, I was listening to them and then talking to my friend Nathan Cecil, he gave me this tip about uh, Colossians 1. So I want to share this with you. And the reason I think it is so important is these are things you can share with them from their own scriptures, from their own website. And so uh, you're going to hear me doing some clicking on my mouse because I want to talk you through this just like we were, you know, like I, I want to talk you through it. If you want to get on your computer or on your phone and you want to kind of walk through this with me and take the screenshots, I want you to be able to do it. Okay. So you want to go to jw.org, jw.org. That is their website. And the first one I want to show you is going to come from Isaiah 9. Okay, we're going to go to jw.org, and we're going to go to library. So if you're on their website, you want to click library, and you want to click online Bible. I know it feels weird being on the cult website. It's okay. We know that these are tampered scriptures. We know what we're dealing with here. All right. You want to click on the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, I would recommend doing the 2013 revision, but you could do the study edition if you wanted. I don't, I don't need to see any Jehovah's Witness study notes. Uh, so once you click on it, you're going to see the books of the Bible all laid out. I want you to go to Isaiah. I want you to click on Isaiah. All right, let's go to Isaiah 9. And so, a verse that you may know from Advent season, a wonderful Bible verse uh, to, to write on your heart, to memorize, hide in your heart. Uh, verse 6, Isaiah 9, verse 6, for a child has been born to us. This is from their New World Translation, okay? For a child has been born to us, a son has been given to us, and the rulership will rest on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Mighty God, El Gabor. That's what that means there. Okay, El Gabor. That's the, um, the Hebrew. It translates to Mighty God. Now, let's go over one chapter. We're going to go to Isaiah 10, one chapter. And we're going to scroll down 
to verse 20 and 21. Listen to what it says. In that day, those remaining of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no longer support themselves on the one who struck them, but they will support themselves on Jehovah. On who? Jehovah. Now, you can ask them and you can say, who's that? They're going to say, that's, that's God. That's God's one true name. Okay? Now, biblically, God is identified by many names. He goes by God. He goes by God Almighty. He goes by Lord Adonai. He goes by Lord of Hosts. Um, Jesus calls God the Father. Uh, so, you know, he goes by many names. But they're going to say that this is the one true name of God. Okay. The Holy One of Israel with faithfulness. Now, keep going. Only a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. You say, well, who's that? I'm going to say it's Jehovah from verse 20. They will support themselves on Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel, with faithfulness. Only a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. And so, that Hebrew there in verse 21 is El Gabor, mighty God. So if we go back to Isaiah 9, you ask them, who's that about? Say, who's Isaiah 9, 6 about? They're going to say, that's about Jesus. And yet he's called what? El Gabor, mighty God. You go over one chapter in their Bible, okay, their, their, their text, to chapter 10, verses 21, uh, 20 and 21, we have Jehovah being referred to as what? As who? El Gabor, mighty God. Just put it out there to him and just say, I, I just want to show you that because I love you. I just want to show you that in your own text, there's this discrepancy where Jesus is being called mighty God, and yet you're saying he's not God. Okay? Now, let's do one other thing from their website. There's more. Actually, let's do two other things from their website. Go to the book of Acts. Go to chapter 5. So Acts 5. We've just been in this text uh, on a Sunday morning at SBC recently. And so we go to Acts 5, and what I want you to see is that in verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan emboldened you to lie to the Holy Spirit? You'll see that the Holy Spirit is not capitalized because they believe he's they believe it is an active force, not a he. Uh but the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he. He's the third person of the Trinity, and he is God. But they say he's not. And so here you see uh, Satan emboldened you to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly hold back some of the price of the field. Go down to the end of verse 4. You have lied not to men, but to who? To God. Verse 3. You lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. You have lied not to men, but to God. It's an opportunity for you to show them that indeed the Holy Spirit is God. All right? Now, next thing I want you to show them, and this is the last one, and this one, you're going to have to have the side-by-side -side screenshots, okay? The other two, you could just go to Acts 5. I would recommend you keep the screenshots on your phone. Make sure you keep the JW.org in the screenshot so they can see it's from their website. Uh, go to Acts 9, or I'm sorry, go to Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 10 and do the screenshots there if you want. But you have to do the screenshots for the next one because it's going to be harder uh, to, uh, to just flip back and forth. And here's why. So first, we're going to stay in the NWT 2013 
And I want you to go to Colossians 1. So Colossians 1, verse 15 he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We know that the Greek word there for firstborn, it does not uh, translate out to firstborn in the English um, the way that we would speak about my son Beckett being firstborn, physically firstborn. Okay, like he was the firstborn child of, of Katie and Michael. No, it, it, the Greek word means preeminence, and firstborn is an English word we use to convey preeminence because it helps us to understand preeminence. Beckett is preeminent in my household in the sense that he is the first in my household, the first male child of my household. In in ancient world, he'd be the heir of my household. Uh, I'm sorry, son. My, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're my brother in the Lord, but I have little to leave you. Uh, but he would be the heir of my household, right? And so that's what that's talking about there. It's talking about the preeminence of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. Uh, he is pr the, the preeminent one um, over all of creation. But and, and then his preeminence is explained by Paul in the text that follows. But uh, they're going to say, no, Jesus is, this is talking about him being firstborn, the first physically, uh, the first thing to be created, and the only uh, thing directly created by Jehovah, okay? So, their text says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, because by, him, uh, because by means of him all other things were created in the heavens and on the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether they are thrones or lordships or governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. Also, he is before all other things, and by means of him all other things were made to exist. All other things... And so they added that in. Uh, those, those words are not in the original text. And you can go to their own interlinear Bible to see that it's not changed there. So we're going to go now back to the library, back to the library proper. Let's see. I want you to click on library... Ooh, my online library. There we go. No, that's not it. I promised I prepared for this. And this is great podcasting. All right, let's go back to library. And let's see if I can find this. I might have to pause the podcast and come back because I want to make sure that I get this right. Be back in one moment. No, we won't. I found it. We're here. We're staying. We are staying. Okay. Kingdom interlinear translation of the Greek scriptures. So just click on online Bible again. That's where I went wrong. It's all under online Bible. I'm not familiar with the cult website. I hope that encourages you. <laughs> If you are, if I'm your pastor. All right. The Kingdom Interlinear Translation of the Greek Scriptures. If you click on that, I want you to go down to Colossians. They only have the New Testament here. So uh, Colossians 1. Yes, New, New Testament, because this is the interlinear Greek. Okay, Colossians 1, we're going to... 
go down to where we were. And if you look at verses 16 and 17, it says, Because in him it was created the all things in the heavens and upon the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether thrones or lordships or governments or authorities, the all things through him and into him it has been created. And he is before all things, and the all things in him it has stood together. So listen. The word other is not there, is it? Why would they say all other things? Is it because they wanted it to seem like Jesus was created and then he created other things? And so in order to make it real clear, they added that word other in? Absolutely, that's why. But that's not actually in their own interlinear Greek um, scriptures here. So I don't know if somebody like forgot to tamper with the interlinear on these verses or they just, whoever these folks were in this society, they looked at it and they were like, it's, it's too egregious, we can't add it. But for whatever reason, what they have in their NWT doesn't line up with the NWT Greek interlinear on their own website. And you can just screenshot it. You can go to the Colossians 1 on the interlinear screenshot. You can go to the um, Colossians 1 on the NWT 2013 screenshot. Just like you can do with the Isaiah 9, the Isaiah 10, just like you can do with the Acts 5. And then ask them about the translation of their Bible. And then, after all that, you're still talking to them. And don't argue. Keep your voice down. Be cool. Be calm. Be kind. Be be meek. Gentle. Respectful. But after all that, you have to look at them and you have to say, I'm telling you these things because I love you and because... If you can't trust the scriptures that you have in your hand, and particularly you can't trust them on this issue of Christ being mighty God, that's the most important thing you're showing them. You can't, you can't trust If you can't trust your scriptures on this issue of Christ being the mighty God, then what I want to tell you is I have real concern for your soul because you're trusting in a false Christ and in a false gospel. You're putting faith in in the death of a Jesus that can't save you. And you need to set down that new world translation and you need to pick up the true word of God. And what you will find there is the beautiful triune God of the universe has a plan to save your sinful soul. That he has sent the son to live a perfect life and to die an atoning death for you. And that his son is God in the flesh, El Gabor, And that he died and he took the punishment you deserve for your sin and that he went into the grave and then rose from the dead to prove his victory over sin and death, to prove that he is the son of God, to prove that the father had accepted the sacrifice he made on our behalf. And then he ascended to the right hand of the father where he sits now and one day he will return You must turn from your sin and put your faith in him. You must agree with God that your sin is evil and you deserve hell. Not to have your soul be annihilated or your soul to be, uh, I can't remember the the word that they use there, but uh, not to have your soul um, just be uh, passed from existence, but that you will pay for your sins for eternity because God is good, but God is just. And because he is good and because he is just, he will uphold his eternal law. You do not have to die in your sin. 
agree with God that your sin is evil and that you are a lawbreaker and that Jesus died for your lawbreaking and put your, your believing trust, put faith in Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who died and rose again and trusts in him alone for the salvation of your soul and intend to sin no more following him. When you do that, he will convert you, and the person of the Holy Spirit will enter into your life. Your salvation will be sealed with the Spirit, and the Spirit will take up residence in you. The Spirit will convict you of sin and will lead you to righteousness and help you understand the Word. And You will join a local church of believers, and you will grow up into the full stature of Christ uh, with them, and then one day you will die or Jesus will come again. And there may be a lot of suffering along the way, but there will be a lot of joy if you know him. Now, you might not be able to get through all of that, but if you can at least get through Jesus Christ and him crucified and help them understand that they have a false gospel, they have a false gospel, and that the only hope for their soul is to trust in the true Christ of the Scriptures, that's where you want to be with them. You want to be going from, hey, Isaiah 9, he is El Gabor, he is mighty God. Now let me tell you why you need to repent of your sin. You need to put your faith in him. Pray for our Jehovah's uh, Witness friends. Pray for them. They are lost and they need hope. And they will call you brother and sister because they believe you are part of the brotherhood of all humanity. But you have to look at them and say, you are not my brother and you are not my sister. Because you have not been adopted in through the one true Christ. And encourage them to do so. And uh, I hope that this has been helpful. I, I, I want to give you one last exhortation, which is pray for an opportunity to talk to, Jehovah, to a Jehovah's Witness. Get these screenshots stored in your phone. Make a little special folder in your phone for Jehovah's Witness uh, evangelism tools. And then Pray faithfully for the opportunity that they would come to your door, you would see them in an airport or see them down at the Yorktown market or just, just see them somewhere and you would be able to approach them and talk to them and be able to share the light of the gospel. And people do come out of the darkness of cults. They do. They turn from sin and they put their faith in Christ and they leave cults. It happens. It happens all the time. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, prosperity gospel, it happens all the time. So be faithful to pray and then be ready to give a defense for the hope of the gospel that you believe. All right, so that's it for this week. Uh, before we go, I do want to encourage you uh, to take uh, a moment to examine yourself. How is your soul? Like, how are you really doing? That's what I mean by that. How is God's grace at work in your life? And then where are those places in your life where you want to see his grace work? And right now, you just feel like you're struggling. And if you get through thinking through those questions and answering those questions, you're like, I need to talk to a pastor. Please reach out to us. Connect at SeafordBaptist.com. We would love to talk to you. Until next time, keep living that pilgrim life. Talk to a Jehovah's Witness. Pray for the opportunity.